know this. Introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not PS. Tooling Semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWT Semantic. Yeah, me know. Boom! Tooling Semantic. Yeah, me know. Big ups to the man. Tooling Semantic. Welcome to another episode of Soothing Semantics. I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Today, we have Travis Chapel on the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming, man. It's been a long time in the works. Of course, dude. So thank yeah, you happy, for joining. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Travis Chapel, for whoever doesn't know, is the podcast host of Build Your Network. It has two and a half million plus downloads. He has an app called Guestio which is a very exciting app. We're going to go into it quite a lot in this episode where it connects podcasters, guests, and hosts uh, to allow people to collaborate, grow their channels, build their businesses. Uh, It's something completely revolutionary. So I am already joined. I plan on joining for the kind of premier option you have where everything's kind of coordinated. So Travis, thank you again. Yeah. And to, to go into, you know, we sat in, I sat in the Zoom meeting with you for an hour, and uh, you went over a lot of different skills, a lot of different uh, tools needed to really grow a podcast. Mm-hmm. How did you decide what made you decide to start one in the first place? And I already I remember the meeting, but yeah. Yeah, for me, it was just kind of, it was just I, I was a listener. I was a, I enjoyed the medium a lot. I was in a kind of dark place in my life at the time. Uh, necessarily like super dark, just more of a, I was confused. I was just like, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I, I knew I wanted to do something, but I didn't knew, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the path would look like. And I was just kind of lost and confused and didn't know what, where to go next. And that was the first time I ever really dove into personal development, started reading books, listening to audiobooks, and then came across podcasts. And I just really enjoyed the format. I liked that it was educational, but it wasn't so educational that it was lost. Um, and boring and dry. I liked that it was like conversational and allowed you to get to know people, but then it was also extremely educational and inspirational in the process. And so I started a podcast because I just liked listening to a bunch. And I listened to a few that would talk about how they make money podcasting. And I was like, that sounds like a really cool way to make money. Didn't know that was possible. Um, So why don't I, you know, try my hand at it, see, see if I can make it happen. So started the show um, a little bit after that. Okay, and and you talk about making money from the podcast, which is something that I'm I'm definitely looking to do. What are some ways you've been able to generate an income aside from guestio from the podcast itself? Um, yeah, so for for me specifically, I was it was always something that fed other businesses for me. Um, I never was like big into sponsorships. Like we have some sponsors, but. I don't know. I've probably made, I don't know, 30, 30 to forty thousand dollars in sponsorship. Uh, maybe maybe forty to fifty thousand dollars in sponsorships total in like five years. Mm-hmm. Um, we just there was just never a big like thing for us. We were always just pushing people to programs and different things that we had available, um, just because frankly it is a more profitable way to monetize. Uh, in, unless you have, you know, a half a million downloads a month or something like that. 
Um, there, there is a, an, a point, a point around there though, the, an inflection point where it really starts making sense to advertise, uh, because it's just like, wow, we're, we're making this much money on this. Didn't think it was possible. Um, so when you, you know, you just have to decide what number that is for you. Uh, for me, it just didn't make sense. Like if, if for me, it was always like, if I'm going to make less than 10, 15 grand a month on this, it doesn't really make sense for me to drive the traffic that I'm creating to somebody else's product or service when I could drive them to my own products or services. Well, do they have to be mutually exclusive? Say you're doing a 10 second ad. Hmm? They, don't, they don't have to be. Um, okay. But, but uh, if, if they're not going to pay me enough to make it worth my time, for me, it's like, why, why, why taint the listener experience to make an extra few hundred bucks was always the way that I looked at it. Um, okay. Okay. But it is absolutely not mutually exclusive. You can do both if you want to. Right. Yeah, no, those, those are important things to think about. How many ads do you want to do? Because if you start doing a million of them, people are going to get annoyed. Right. And, and what kind of products do you want to do? So I thought about, so for instance, vaping, right? I, I smoke a vape, but I don't want to endorse vapes. Sure. So if some company say, says, hey, we'll pay you, say yeah. they throw out a very hard number. Yeah. If Jewel comes in and offers something, it's still going to be like, ah, actually, I don't really want to be known as the guy that's promoting that. So I don't want Correct. to. Correct. So, so even if they go, hey, we'll pay you 20 grand a month right now, I'm going to say no. Because as much as I do it, I don't want to promote smoking vapes. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to tell, turn it down because in the, at the end of the day, if people see that I'm willing to endorse and promote everything, then I have no principles. I'm not going to do that. Right. You, you like, it, it's a, it's a, that's, that's never a winning strategy is the bottom never. line never. because the audience is going to get savvy to it sooner or later. You're going to lose audience. They're not going to be as valuable. And then the ads that you are selling, you're not going to get as much for them. It's like, a, it's spiraling. Like it only works out for the first like three to six months just because like, it's like, oh, this makes sense because we're getting all these ads and sponsors. And like, it's like, man, we're like, our cash flow is great. And then like 12 months later, all of a sudden you're 40% less and having to do more ads. And it's like, oh, well, we pissed off all of our audience because we just endorsed anybody and everybody. And we, you know, sold spots to whoever wanted them and we didn't protect the mm -hmm. audience and we didn't make sure that it was still valuable for them. And so, yeah, it can be a downward spiral pretty quickly if you get lost in that kind of stuff. Guys, that is super, super important. Super important. It's so easy for people to do that, you know, because oh, money yeah. talks for a lot of people. But if, if, if I'm endorsing a product that I wouldn't buy in a million years and I don't believe in, then it's ridiculous for me to push the product. Yeah. Uh, okay. So when we had the Zoom meeting and guys, we we had a good, how long was it? Two hours? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. A long meeting. So I, I Travis held a Zoom meeting, a group Zoom meeting with a bunch of people. How many people were in it? Ah, oh, dude, that's a good question. Um, uh, I want to say hundreds, a few hundred. Yeah. So it was really, but it was great. So you mentioned the challenges that you had initially, you know, cause you had your, you had your business, you were starting, you were, you were trying to start up. And I remember you had that picture of you in your room with that one microphone you had, what was it like a computer on a chair? Yeah, no, it was a, it was an upside down um, laundry basket. Was right, my, right, right, was right. was right. my desk <laughs> that held my laptop. And then I had a $60 USB mic plugged into my laptop and it was in a, it was in our closet. So I had the chair, my upside down laundry basket, my laptop, and a, a $60 USB mic from my closet. Look where you are now, my guy. Well, that's where it started. Like the bottom line is people get, people will give themselves every reason not to take action. 
um, which aren't really reasons. They're more like excuses. And like, I knew at the time that I wasn't technically savvy. And if I focused on having amazing audio and producing mind-blowingly, you know, sexy sounding audio tracks, then that would have prevented me from ever getting started because that's not a skill that I had. It would have had to be a skill that I learned or I would have had to pay somebody a lot of money to do it. And I didn't want to do either of those. So I started with as cheap as I possibly could. I had my laptop already. So to start my podcast, I bought a $60 USB mic and that was everything I needed. Garage bands on my computer built in. If you have a Mac, it's built in for free. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a Mac, you can use Audacity. It's free. Free editing Just- tool. You know, you get a computer, you plug in a microphone, and now you can have a podcast. You know, Anchor will even let you host for free. Yep. I, I, I never hosted for free, uh, but Anchor will let you host for free. You know. What By I mean? the way, do you suggest using um, Buzzsprout over over Anchor? Do you? Does it really matter, or, or another uh, platform? Yeah, in my opinion, at this point, it doesn't really matter. At first, it kind of mattered because there were different platforms that limited usage and rights to content and IP and stuff like that. Now, pretty much everybody has the same terms and conditions. Pretty much everybody has the same use cases. The only thing that I would say is be careful getting marrying yourself to a media host or platform that does not allow for dynamic ad insertion. Um, if you are on a platform that doesn't allow for that, it kind of archaic and you're missing out on a lot of advertising dollars if that's uh, if that's one of the ways I'm not even familiar with that what is, what is it? yeah basically just like traditionally podcast advertising has always been like host red thing where it's like you if you want if you want to advertise whatever butcher box on my show i have 12 episodes coming out this month if i'm releasing out if i'm releasing three a week and so it's measured the, the impressions that you're getting are measured in how many new downloads are coming into the podcast in the next 30 days on the 12 episodes I'm releasing. Um, and then when I, when I record the ad for that show, it's recorded now. And then my editor takes that ad and then they put it in all of the episodes that we're releasing for the next 12 episodes. So I've done this. So no, I, yeah, I, I did this for a watch company a little while back. Yeah. So that's but... regular advertising. That's regular host red advertising. Okay. What dynamic ad insertion is, is that if you notice, if you notice like your downloads per month does not reflect how many downloads you're getting per episode through 30 days, because people are downloading episodes in your back catalog episodes that have been released for a year, two years, three years, in my case, five years, like I have episodes that I released in, you know, September of 2017 that are still in my RSS feed that are still getting downloads and listens today. It might only be 24 listens, but if you multiply 24 times 700 episodes, there's a lot of potential impressions that are in there. So what dynamic ad insertion does is it allows you to insert an ad point in your entire back catalog of episodes. So somebody listening today to an episode that released in 2017 they'll hear the relevant ad that I recorded yesterday, even though the episode was record was released in 2017. Wow. That's so the amazing. software basically just like picks a an endpoint, a start point, an endpoint for the ad and inserts that ad back in that audio dynamically, even though you released that audio five years ago. That's amazing. So how do you actually do that? How does that work? What platform does that? Uh, a lot of them do now. Um, at first it was only a couple that were out there, like Megaphone was one of the big ones. That's why it ended up selling to Spotify for a couple hundred million. But 
now now the majority of them do. I think Libsyn does too. Uh, Libsyn held out for a while, but I think they released their dynamic ad uh, platform recently. Uh, Red Circle does it. Megaphone does it. Um, Captivate does it. Um, yeah, most most media hosts now, I would say. I, uh, uh, I guess I don't know for sure Buzzsprout does it, but they're so massive, I have to assume they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the majority of media hosts that you, that you find now are going to have dynamic ad insertion because that's how like the majority of podcast advertising is trending toward anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something I would love to use. I just need the ad. So which one do you use? Uh, I'm on red circle. Why, why that one over the others? Uh, just because they also sell the ads for me. So like if you have a certain down, I forget the metrics they look <laughs> for, but if you have a certain number of downloads per episode, you can be a red circle and they'll, they pitch sponsors and sell sponsors for you. They just take a percentage of ad revenue. Okay. So they take care of the heavy lifting. Yeah. So you just basically tell them like, yes, I do want ads. No, I don't want ads. They find them, they source them, they negotiate, they put the offer in front of you and then you can say yes or no and decide to record the ad or not record the ad. And then you Mm -hmm. record it, upload it, and then they insert it in your back catalog and you get paid. That's amazing. Okay. So how much of a cut do they take? Uh, 30%, 30%, I want to say 20 to 30% or something. So it's free hosting. So they host all my content for free, but they take 20 to 30% of my ad revenue. Okay. And do they distribute the episodes just like Anchor does to all the main platforms? Yep. Hmm. Yep. Exactly. Interesting. So you simply do it because of the seamlessness where they get ads for you and they take care of all that. Yeah. Cause I don't have to worry about going and pitching sponsors. Like I said, 100%. it's not a big part of my business anyway. So like I, I do very little advertising for other people okay okay but even, even so right even so it's good to have uh, okay so you know you're mentioning having the podcast with a flipped over laundry basket what were the challenges the biggest challenges that you faced growing the podcast from the beginning until you are where you are now i mean really it's just a lack of knowledge like i didn't know what i was doing mm-hmm. um which is typically the case. If you're struggling with something, it's usually either you don't know something or you don't know someone who does know something. And so for me, it was, I didn't, I, it was a combination of the two of those things. I didn't know anybody and I didn't know anything. And, um, and I was just, I, I was relying on a previous method of podcast growth that was proven, you know, four years before I launched my show, but not actually while I was launching my show. So I was thinking I was doing all the right things, but then I wasn't getting the results that I thought I was going to be getting. So it was a really frustrating period of time. And then I discovered paid advertising and um, started making some money on like coaching and courses and different things like that, that we were doing for like teaching people how to build profitable podcasts as like extensions of their business or in addition to their business and started taking that money and investing it into, you know, advertising and getting on shows and uh, things like that. And, and the show started growing a lot more, you know, steadily. It's, it's great how you, you create this funnel, right? So the, the coaching, the money from the coaching, you put back into the business to continue to grow it so you can get more coaching clients and everything feeds into, into the other thing. Yeah. That's a, it's the, to me, man, it's the, it's all about the print, the principle of delayed gratification. Like that's gotta be the, one of the most underrated. Um, and, and it's like just kind of secret powerful tools for every single successful person on the face of the planet. I mean, there might be a few exceptions to that, but mostly without exception, 
It's like your ability to delay gratification. You, you want to see like the most exaggerated example of this? Look at Mr. Beast. Uh, to my knowledge, across all of his YouTube channels that he has, he has over 200 million subscribers Insane. on all of his channels. I think his main channel just crossed over 100 million subscribers, which maybe is the first one to do that. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know everything. But he has the biggest about. channel. Yeah. But Mr. Beast is massive. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody that always did that. It was like, you can grow as much as you're willing to reinvest profits. Because whenever we reinvest profits, sometimes it, the, the bottom line is it's risky. You know, people don't like that. It's like, if you, if you build something to get to the point where you're clearing $10,000 a month in profit for yourself and you are used to like scraping two pennies together, then $10,000 a month seems like awesome and you don't want to give it up. It's like, but if you can still force yourself to live on 3,500 bucks a month or whatever you were living on before without upgrading your lifestyle, and you can delay that gratification a little bit more, and you can reinvest $6,000 a month into growing the business or growing the podcast or growing whatever it is that you're working on, um, and and then you get it to where it's making you 15,000, and then you invest 10,000, and you get it to where it's making 20,000, and you invest 15,000 because you're still only living on 4,000 to 5,000. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just that people, every time they get an upgrade in their income, they get an upgrade in their lifestyle. They 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 go from $5,000 a month to $12,000 a month in total combined income with them and their spouse. And then they immediately go buy a new house. They go get two more car payments. Their insurance is, high, is higher because one of the cars is a sports car that you know is a $1,400 a month payment. And then they, they, and then they, and then all of a sudden at the end of the month, there's no money left over again, which means they can't invest. Exactly. They can't continue to grow. They they're stuck at that level again, unless something big happens that's mostly outside of their control. And so most of that stuff is just all about learning how to delay gratification. It's like, yeah, I, you know, whatever I got, I, I made, you know, I got, I got $50,000 in excess capital in my bank. It's like, okay, great. Are you going to go buy a car and a TV and surround sound and all this other thing, all these other things that you don't really? By the way, you can totally drop whatever f bomb shit, bullet, whatever. Okay, if, okay. If, if you do that, if if that's what you do, because that's what I do. So okay, all right. Just uh, no. When we yeah, when you spoke in Zoom, you were throwing some f bombs out there. So yeah, do go ahead now. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, you 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 can you can choose to spend your money on all that stuff or. You reinvest that fifty grand to your business. The, the 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 risk is in the fact that like it may not work, and it's and it probably won't work one hundred percent of the time. So sometimes you're going to reinvest fifty grand, and you're only going to get twenty thousand dollars worth of value out of it. And it's like ah, that hurt. I just lost thirty thousand dollars. But at the end of the day, it's all a reflection of where you want to get. Like where do you want to be in five years, ten years? Because that's the thing that drives me crazy more than anything else, man, is like when people are, I never tell anybody that they have to have the same goals as I have. Cause I know that I have big goals and kind of wacky dreams. But if you're going to sit there and tell me that your goals and dreams are the same as mine and you're not willing to do any of the things, like you're not willing to do that where it's like, yeah, it was a risk and I lost $30,000. That sucked. You're not willing to do that, but you're going to be like, oh, but I want to make a million dollars in net profit every year. And it's like, how do you expect to make a million dollars a year if you won't even like if you're still at ten thousand dollars a month? Like if you're, if you're making a hundred grand and you want to make a million, but you're not willing to lose thirty to figure out how to make a million, how long is it going to take you to figure that out? You know what I'm saying? Like at some point you got to risk it. And what you're saying and is sometimes you're going to lose. Gospel. I love what you're saying. Yeah, and love so you're saying. Just, you got to you got to you got to know that sometimes you're going to lose and probably. You, you might most lose a good amount. You know what I mean? A lot of the time before you start to figure it out. I mean, yeah, man, I, uh, 
growing up, I, I was raised in quite a poor situation. So I was always used to saving everything. So I was a waiter right. for, throughout high school and college. And every time I had something, I wanted to hold on to it. I didn't, I didn't learn investment. I didn't know how it worked. So I would always hold on and hold on. And I was scared to spend. And in a good, in a sense, it's good because I was conservative. Well, it's got way older, better than just spending the money. Right. And that's like a way, Those way, way extremes. better first step. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, it's good. But at the same time, I was too afraid to go and make the jump. Yeah. So I took certain risks. Yeah, I had fun. I, I went out. I went to the school, went to college, went to the army, did different things. But it was only until a couple of years ago where I realized that if I want to do something drastic and I have a big dream, I'm going to have to do things that scare the shit out of me. Yep. And I'm going to have to put myself in positions that most people aren't willing to put themselves in. Yep. And only then is it going to teach me and mold me and, and put my brain in this creative position where I have to figure it out because I'm on a mission. Yep. Um, and, and for me, it's just like, there's no question in my mind that this, this is just what I'm going to do. I think to, to, to add to what you were saying, if somebody is just doing something for money and they don't really have a purpose behind it. So say they're selling, they're doing something that doesn't speak to them. They're selling a product they don't believe in. And the money is the only reason they're doing it. I think that's where people are much more likely to go and spend all their money when they get it. So if they have an upgrade, their income mm -hmm. suddenly doubles, their expenses double with it mm -hmm. versus when you have something that you're growing, where you enjoy the process, say a podcast for both of us, of course I want the money, but I love the process. I love getting on new guests. I love having a guest where I, I was setting out to have that guest for months or a year right. and I was DMing them nonstop and they kept ignoring me or they kept you know, leaving me unread. And finally I got in touch with the admin and I was talking to them and setting it up and it finally happened Yeah, that it's such a thrilling feeling because I, I looked at them and now it, it became a reality. Right. So th right. that in and of itself is so blissful. So, I mean, you still have to be cognizant of it. Uh, I do think listening to you and listening to a lot of other entrepreneurs, it's really started to stick in my head. The idea of taking risk, but also, understanding that if you if you do make a certain amount of money do not necessarily just upgrade your lifestyle there's there are nuances go ahead and do it absolutely yeah you know. when i when i when i was left door to door i went from making 10 15 grand a month to making 3 4000 bucks a month and keep in mind like i was making six figures when i was 22 or 23 like right out of college knocking doors 100% commission full time so making three or 4,000 bucks a month was like less than half of what I was used to making when I was doing doors. It was just that I knew I didn't want to be doing door to door. And I knew I needed to figure out the online business space somehow. And I didn't know how I was going to be able to do it. And so what we did was we broke when, when we decided, when I, when I stopped doing door to door, we broke the lease on the place that we had. It was like a $3,000 a month lease in a beautiful part of town with the pool and all this stuff. And it was like a 3,700 square foot house and all this, everything we broke the lease on that place. I'm back and moved in with my brother-in-law who had a two bedroom, 900 square foot apartment um, in a not as nice part of town. And my wife and I and my two dogs moved into that apartment in the spare room and split rent with him. So our monthly expenses went from, you know, 3000 plus cause it's 3000 rent. But I mean, you know, utilities at a place like that is way higher with the pool and the size of the house and everything Our our, our you know, monthly expenses, on just living and housing went from like $32, $3,300 a month down to 550 bucks. 
you know, like we, we, I've never bought a nice car. Uh, I drive a paid off Camry and we have a paid off Tundra, uh, like 2007. Yep. To this day, I have a 200, my, my Tundra has 240,000 miles on it. It's paid off. I have a 2015 Camry with 110,000 miles on it. It's paid off. Um, I, uh, uh, my, my brother-in-law lives in our, uh, we have a mother-in-law suite at our house. Uh, now mm-hmm. the, the house we bought a couple of years ago is a next gen mother-in-law suite with its own like entrance, one bedroom, one bath, laundry room, kitchen, living room, all that stuff. He lives in that pays us rent. So, you know, we, we cut down our expenses like crazy and we take whatever is in excess and we invest it back into, into ourselves. Like that was the first thing. The first thing is investing into yourself. Cause at first it was like, if you gave me 50 grand, I wouldn't have known what to invest it in. And if you're at that point, then it's like, well, you just lack knowledge or you lack relationships. So I invested in things that gave me more knowledge and gave me more relationships like masterminds, courses, events, travel to, you know, events, hotels for events. I would go to events. I would take online courses. I would listen to podcasts. I would watch YouTube videos. I'd read books and I would join masterminds at a high level. And I've and now to date, I've invested probably three hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus into masterminds, coaching groups, knowledge, invest. Like it is easily the the category that I have invested most money, most of my personal finances into um, at this point is just into me making myself a better, more useful, more skilled asset in life. And then when you get excess money again, because you're investing in yourself, then you take that money and you start growing, you start investing into growth and into mm-hmm. marketing, into, uh, in, into expansion and things that allow you to increase your earned income. Um, and then to me, that's like the point where it's like, now you can focus a lot more on investing in things that are like paying you passive income, which is really the, the, the key to being able to recover yourself early is how much cash flow can you bring in without having to get up and go to work that day? How much, you know, how much money does your money make you not how much money do you make? 100%. So what are some ways for somebody that has already started to invest in themselves, going to masterminds, going on social media, going on YouTube, learning how to build a channel. Now they want to build the actual channel. Say somebody's starting from zero. I decided to start a podcast today. I have zero episodes, no views. What do you think is the best strategy? And a, and a good side question is, do you think you should always choose a niche? Do you think you should stay kind of more open? Or do you think it's nuanced and does it depend on the on the person? If it's the first thing you've ever done and you actually want it to pay you money, you got to be really niche down. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two important caveats though. Cause like some people it's like, well, I'm starting a podcast, but I have 400,000 followers on Instagram. It's like, okay, well you can, the rules are a little bit different for you, but if this is your first thing, you've never done anything like this before and you're starting a podcast and you actually want it to make you money. It's not just something that you just like, like, cause some people it's like, you don't have to make money. I get it. Like you, you just want an excuse to hang out with your friends and drink beer and talk about sports on Fridays, you know, mm-hmm. great. Do that fun. You know, that's the cool thing about podcasting. You do whatever you want, but if you want a show that's going to pay you money, um, and you've never done anything like it before and you have no existing audience, niching far down is, is going to be the, the, the solution to the problem. And then it's not a commitment to stay that way forever. Like my, sh- my first show is called build your network. I'm still running on that show, but 
between me and you in the next, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, um, in the next two or three months, Build Your Network will no longer exist and it'll be rebranded into a completely different show, which will be the show that we really blow up at that point. So, but I started in networking because that was a niche because I had to own a space. And if I came into the business space, just being like another generic business podcaster, I don't think it would have gone nearly as well as it did when I kind of really niched down on the, the networking piece of advice um, that I was giving out on the show. So uh, I think niching, especially if it's your first thing, you know, like my it, dude, my friend, my friend, Harry, um, he teaches podcasting as well. He, uh, has a podcast called Podcast Junkies where he interviews podcasters and whatever. And he's been in the space for a while. He's a production company and stuff. And uh, he recently started a podcast about vertical farming. Extremely niche podcast. Literally, it's all about vertical farming. How to have a vertical farm and start a vertical farm. In two seasons of his show, He's gotten over $70,000 in sponsorships for his vertical farming podcast. That's what I mean by like, if you want to make money and you've never done it before, start with a crazy weird niche like that. Like look for growing industries that are trending, that have an avid following of people. And there's companies there, like think about companies that are having, are going to have a hard time targeting their audience on wide ad sets on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or Google. Like vertical farming is such a niche. It's just like, how, how do you, if, if you're, if you're the media buyer on that ad account, like how are you going to put ads in front of people that are interested in vertical farming? Like what interests do you have to target? Who, what influencers are talking? Like, it's just such a like kind of weird new thing that like, but there's still companies in that space that want customers that are doing those things. So those people are willing to spend, like they, they had, like they put like half of their ad budget into (laughs) my buddy's show. You know what I mean? Because like, where else are they going to spend the money? They want customers and they have a budget for advertising. They don't have anywhere to advertise. So he's, the, like, he's got the channel. They might as well just funnel it into him. Yeah. Right, 70 grand in a vertical farming podcast. Like, who would have <laughs> thought that? Like that's such a weird, weird thing. Now that show will probably never make a hundred thousand a month in advertising, right? Because like, it's just limited in scope that the TAM, the total addressable market is just not that big. So that's, that was my caveat. The thing, the thing about that is I think early on, there's a chance of growth faster than a channel like mine. I think in the long term, I have a lot more opportunity. So what you were su- suggesting, what you were saying was to start out very niched and then you can start to open up and kind of branch out into other things later on once you already established a, a real audience. You can audience, widen right? the top of funnel. You, you, can, okay. you, can, you can widen the mouth, make the, make the opening bigger um, okay. on your you know, top of funnel acquisition after okay. you've already kind of created a name for yourself in a particular space or, 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 or modem, which is kind of what, my next goal is, is like build your network did well, but it's, it's networking. It's always going to be limited to a certain extent. There's just not that many people who care to learn about it, even though they all do it. There's not that many people that, you know, there's not as many people who want to be interviewed about it because even if they feel like, cause a lot of people don't think that they do it. And even if they do do it, they don't really have much to share tactically about it. Cause they don't really think about it. They just do it. You know what I mean? So it limits, there's a lot, it, it limits a lot of things that I can do. The people I can interview, the folks I can talk to, the downloads I'll get, the market, the show site, like it limits a lot of those things. So now that, now that I, you know, took a niche podcast to two and a half million downloads with a bunch of really great guests, now it's about, okay, next phase for me, like the first five years was about like going from complete obscurity where nobody knew who I was at all 
to having a good amount of people know who I am to then like the next phase will be more like, okay, now how do we pick a message or a, 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 a topic that can be broad enough to increase our market size and then go get a bigger slice of that market? That's great. I'm just thinking of terms of my channel. At this point, I've started out quite open. There's a lot of real estate, but there's a sprinkle of a lot of other things. I don't want to miss out on certain opportunities. So say I decided, okay, now I'm only sticking to real estate. Mm -hmm. If Mike Tyson decides to get on my podcast tomorrow, I'm having Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson on my podcast. Sure. And I'm not going to talk about real estate with Mike Tyson, maybe for five minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've spoken to people about this. I know, I know someone quite well who has a real estate podcast. It's, pro, it's all real estate. And he recently asked me to help him get one of my guests on the show. And I didn't say anything about it. I just, uh, you know, helped him with the assistance email. But I was just, I was thinking to myself, you're telling me all about how, how you think the niche is important. He has a smaller podcast than I do. He's talking about how important the niche is. And now you're getting a guy that's not even in the real estate space. I find that he's kind of switching his mind there. Uh, so I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to play the long game and it could take a long time and it might be very, very challenging. So for me, I'm trying to get better in the, the marketing, the SEO. When I mean I get better is hire the right people. So SEO, marketing, creating email, the proper funnels to be able to put the, link in the, the episode in front of enough people, increase the video quality, get a better studio, obviously continue to get great guests. A big one that you mentioned is to be a guest on other platforms, which is huge, which I really have not implemented. I've been on a few, been on maybe four. If I can get on four a month, 20 a month. I mean, if I, if I was going on 20 a month since I started, oh, it would be very different now. Yeah. Very different world, very different game. I would say, I would say, out of everything that you just mentioned, anytime, anytime it costs you money, take whatever money you were going to spend on anything that you just talked about and put it into advertising the show, like studio upgrade, all that stuff. Like it all costs money. Don't mm -hmm. worry about any of that. The only thing that I would suggest is like a USB mic. That's all you need. 50 bucks, 100 bucks. And get well, I already have I already have the shore mics. They're great mics. Okay. Well, then yeah. I don't I, mean, I nor I do this in person. I'm doing it with you over Zoom and I'm doing it in my office, my real estate office, but if you go to some of my episodes, I I have a whole studio. I have shore mics, good lighting, like it's solid. It's not top top, but the, the mics are great quality. Yeah, so I would not worry about studio upgrade. Like I would literally not worry about any of that. Every excess dollar you have should go into acquiring new listeners. Because if you acquire enough of those listeners, you can get paid for sponsors or get paid for selling programs or get paid for whatever else you get paid for. And then and then you can take profits and then do all the other stuff that you're talking about. But if you want to grow the show, especially if you're not going to niche down, if you're going to stay pretty general, the only way that anybody's going to discover that is going to be by you telling them to discover it. Okay. So that's the thing about like a vertical farming podcast. If you're into vertical farming and you search vertical farming, there's probably like two shows that exist in all of iTunes that talk about that. You're making perfect sense. But if I, we're talking I, in generalities, like nobody's going to just find you, right? right? Like the only time that that's going to happen is if you're a Joe Rogan type character where people already like 
Sergio. Like he's famous because of his podcast, but people recognized his name at least when he had a podcast before his podcast blew up. Is it a it, chicken it like, oh, or that egg thing, guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's, a, it's, it's, I hear what you're saying, but I think his podcast was what really made him famous. Fear well, Factor was a big show. I agree. But, but even he'll tell you that Fear Factor is what gave you his fuck you money. Like Fear okay. Factor, you know, he said, it, he said it a bunch of times on his podcast, like Fear Factor is what gave him his fuck you money to where he got to do whatever he wanted to do after that. But it was Huge. enough to where people, rem, people at least remembered who he was or knew who he was. And he had built up an audience in the stand-up comedy world uh, for sure before he had the podcast. You know, it was just like, like if they're going, if somebody's going to go listen, my point is if somebody's going to go listen to a show, that's just a general show, that's not niche down, they're going to do it with people that they already recognize from doing something else. And there's plenty of sh- options out there now, uh, now that Joe blew up that format. Um, now there's, you know, thousands of shows out there that do something very similar with people that are way more well-known than me or you. So it's like, they're not going to just discover it and come across and be like, Oh, this looks interesting. They're only going to do that if it's like really niche down. So if you really want to like grow your audience and blow up the audience, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is through paid advertising dollars. Well, you know what else I'm trying to do though? I'm trying to to get in touch with people with notoriety who have big channels. And this is something you talk about where aside from paid advertising, in addition to paid advertising, I'm trying to get big name people where if my, my reels, my shorts, say my Instagram reels, I collab with them and it's on their account forever. Yeah. And if people are scrolling through their reels, they, they come across me. If I'm doing that across that, eventually hundreds or thousands of, of guests, my, I'm going to be spread pretty far and wide. So that's another very big strategy. I just learned about the collaborations, man. I used to post the reel and tag the person and I didn't yeah. notice the difference between the collab and the tag. And only recently did my editor didn't know about it either. I saw people do it, but I didn't know how it worked. So now if I have someone with 3 million Instagram followers and I take, you know, five reels out of a 50 minute episode and they agree to collab with all five of those reels, they can get a hundred thousand views. Right. And I mean, they can keep growing. And if people are getting, if people are constantly checking out their page and seeing them and say, oh, who's that? Who's that random dude? Oh, cool. Let me check his podcast out. Oh, okay. This is kind of random. Doesn't seem like a famous guy, but I like what he has to say. I like who he's, who he's had on his show and I keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. I mean, it's a long, it's a long game, but I don't know. I just limiting myself to one specific topic and there's things I can talk about, but I'm interested in many things, man. So yeah, I mean, it's all prerogative, right? Like it's all what yeah, you want to do, but your, your, your question, your question was, if you want to make money, do you have to niche right. down? And the answer is yes at first. Right. right. Um, but yeah, you do anything long enough, you can get listeners. You know what I mean? Um, it's just like those, those advertisers also don't have as much money to spend because they're advertising on so many other shows. That's the thing. Like, that's what I mean about the vertical farm. Another buddy of mine has a audio file podcast. And uh, he talks just about things that audio geeks geek out about. And uh, those, those companies that are selling $50,000 stereo systems, like there's not many places to advertise that kind of stuff to. So this guy has 500 downloads an episode, but he was at, he was when he was, I don't know if he's still even doing it, but he was making like 4,000 bucks an episode um, on sponsors because like people just wanted that audience because the people that were listening, though they were a small group that had a lot of money to spend and the people that were, you know, 
advertising had a lot of money to spend and they didn't spend it on any other podcast because it didn't make sense for them to buy general ads on general shows. You know, Dude, here's I mean? my so, thing. I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just thinking in terms of, is the channel still around? I don't know. Okay. And do you, you think that there's a potential to really grow this to a massive, because like you said, no, no. that's the thing though. It, I feel like there's a, in the, they go in different directions. So what you're saying, when you have this random niche, I don't know, say I have this container of nuts. Okay. So say I decide to advertise for SE grocers, prestige nuts, <laughs> you know, and that's all I talk about. I talk about different cashews and macadamias and all these different things. Maybe I'll amass a decent following, but how long can I talk about? <laughs> yeah. You know, unless I'm talking about different, different kind of nuts. I mean, I'm definitely not going to do that. So <laughs> I'm talking about talking about food nuts. Eventually it's going to get old. It's repetitive yeah. and I'm going to run out of content or people will get bored and I, there won't be that big of a market for it. You have a target. I think, market you, I think you can get bored. That, that's the whole thing is like, that's why I say bored. it's up to you. Yeah. I would very get, I would be bored about talking about one specific thing unless that thing was my entire life. Yeah. Well, well and, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's just like your, your, your question was more like, can I make money on that right now or whatever? I forget exactly how I worded it, but that like my answer remains the same on that. But like the bottom line is you can do whatever you want. It's just the, the, the method and formula for growing that and the expectations on how much money you can make in a certain time period has to change. Mm -hmm. It's my only point. It's like you can, you can grow whatever type of show you want to grow. If the content's good, the content's good. It doesn't matter what you're talking right. about or if you're general right. or if you're specific or if you're niche down. Right. But in general, for somebody that's looking to start a show, if they want to make money and they have no experience, niching down really far is the totally. way to be able to make it happen. But if you're like you, you're a real estate professional, you're making money doing other things and the podcast is what you do because it fires you up and it's fun and you want in 10 years to have this like kind of general show that gets whatever, a hundred thousand dollars an episode and you can make, you know, 50 grand a month in advertising spots and you would quit doing real estate, uh, at least sales and maybe just be a real estate investor or something at that point. Like that's different. Those are, those are two different paths to build something through. It's I just think one of them I think is going to cost a lot more money to build, but it also mm -hmm. has a lot more potential to be bigger. Uh, and because that's the exactly my sentiment. Yeah, this is exactly my sentiment. No, go on. No, no, that, 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 was, that was it. That was it. It's exactly my sentiment. I think it, you have to be more risk averse or not risk averse. You have to be more, more uh, willing to take risk. Yeah. This is, it, it's a, it's a longer game. It's a harder game. It's less likely. Yeah. It's more challenging, but it has more upside. If you can make it happen, a big component is being in, insanely consistent. I think you would agree. Yep. Especially yep, with a general podcast like mine, I have to be extremely well, consistent. To me, those are the barrier to entry. That's the barrier to entry. If you if you're not consistent, like it's it's three things: consistent, quality content with context, consistency, quality, context. If you don't have those three things, you can spend money marketing your show till you're blue in the face, and nobody's ever going to keep listening to it. Like it still has to be good content that is actually things that people want to listen to, um, and context just meaning that you're putting the right message in front of the right people. Like if you're doing those three things, then like at that point, it's a matter of, well, how much money can you spend? Right. Cause like Reed Hoffman, when he, when he launched his podcast, masters of scale, it immediately became a top podcast, but he just sold LinkedIn for a billion dollars. So their ads were all over the place. You know what I mean? He probably dropped seven figures, multi seven figures in advertising the launch of his podcast. Um, but he probably also makes, you know, multiple six figures every month on advertisers now. So 
it's like, how much, how much time are you okay with parting with the money before it comes back into your bank account? You know, that's it. It's tough, man. It's definitely tough, but I, I'm, you know, when you just have this gut feeling, even though you don't know if that gut feeling even makes any sense, but I have this, just this, it's so strong in my mind. I can't ignore it. You know, that's yep. what keeps me. That's I what get pushes it. me, man. I love it. I fucking love it. I enjoy it. It's not a chore for me. Yeah, it takes work. Sure. But if this was something I had to do and I was doing solely for the money, I would I would have been done a long time ago. Right. No, totally agree yeah. with you, man. Yeah. yeah. It's so you're one of those things. Yeah, you're giving me you're giving me an amazing value. So I really appreciate it because there there are certain things like I I knew. But you're you're really reassuring it, like you're making it clear in my head. So it's it's very valuable. Yeah, glad, glad to help out. Glad to help out for sure. And you mentioned that you're looking to kind of switch the podcast over, change the name. What are some other things with Guestio? That's a that's a good one because we didn't get into Guestio very much. Yeah, um, and I'm going to quickly get into that. But I, I mentioned mentioned it in the beginning, guys. Whoever creates content, if you have a podcast, make sure to check Guestio out. It's a, it's really it really is a game changer. It'll allow you to collaborate with people that you normally wouldn't have the opportunity to do so with, and it makes it extremely seamless. So definitely check it out. It is on. It is in the App Store. Create an account. They have different uh, different tiers. So different tiers will provide you with different options. So make sure to, ch- to check them out, and uh, you you will not be sorry you did. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. You got it, bro. All, all free. So so what is a. Uh, <laughs> So what is, uh, speaking of growth, by the way, it's a nice beard you got there. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Appreciate I, you. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm, always, I'm always playing with it, as you can tell. I do the same thing, man. Uh, a beard a beard man appreciates a beard man. <laughs> so in terms of Guestio, because we spoke about it, what are some things that you're looking to integrate, grow it, make it more uh, valuable? Yeah, one thing actually that we just... Um, uh, that we just implemented is come something called mini views, um, which I'm pretty excited for. Uh, essentially, one of the big things that we ran into with the biggest names that you try to interview is just the scheduling. It just takes like it takes a long time to get a hold of somebody to pitch to get accepted. Like all that stuff takes a long time. But even even after the acceptance, it's like you still have to find a time where you can both sit down. It's like is it in person? Is it on Zoom? Um, do we have schedules in front of us? What if one of us misses it? You like some of these interviews that I've done is, have taken months to get some of those things taken care of. So we built this uh, tool called MiniView, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Basically, you can go to your dashboard inside of Guestio and you can film yourself, record yourself asking you know five to ten questions, um, and then you can copy that link and send that link to anybody you want to interview, and they can pull up that link on their computer or their phone. And they can answer each question one by one with a video response of them by the, that they do uh, by themselves on their own. And they click submit, and then you get all of their responses in your Guestio profile. And you can download your questions and their responses in a row and release it as a podcast episode. Um, so that way you can clock in interviews with bigger people, like bigger name people, a lot faster um, and drive like a lot higher credibility because you're going to be able to get, you're going to, you're, you're going to be able to get higher level people. Uh, saying yes to that way easier than you're going to get them to say yes to sitting down and scheduling a Zoom interview or doing something in person. Um, so if you can increase the level of people that you're talking to on the mini views, you know you, that's still somebody that you interviewed on your show, and it still looks the same on social anyway. Still, you asking a question and them answering it. 
Um, so uh, you can use it for all of your social media content. You can use it as podcast episodes, like many, many view content episodes on your podcast mm-hmm. um, and drive a lot of credibility and authority for, uh, for your show still. Okay. That's awesome. I would still say I got Shaq throwing, throwing out a random name. If he agreed to do the mini views, I would still be aching to have him on for 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, of course. I would still of try course. to do that, but that's having that in and of itself is great. It's a fantastic idea. Really is a good idea. Well, and then like in a year from now or two years from now, if you already had Shaq on a mini view, it's a lot easier to get Shaq on a second time if you had him on a first time. 100%. 100, 100%. You know I mean? Especially if you go down a laundry list of people that have been mini viewed by you at that point, it's like, oh, we've had we, like you've already been on the show, and we interviewed these other eighteen people that you know about. Um, you know what I mean? It's just there are there are all mini views, but then you can you can you'll 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 be able to land a lot more people if you can mini view the highest level people in the world. It's it's social proof. So I love yeah. you were talking about this on one of your podcasts. You were very passionate about it, or so I think someone was interviewing you. Someone had you as a, as a, not interview. It's another thing that you've spoken about that I've loved. Um, two things above many others. You said podcasting is not an interview. It's a conversation. It's not a, a BBC or, a, or an episode of 60 Minutes. It's meant to be a natural interaction. That's what people want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I've done that from the beginning. And that's been my philosophy from the beginning. And when I heard you say that, it, 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 I felt so good hearing that because I said, okay, great. And then when you were talking, when you're talking to someone, I, I don't remember who it was, you were mentioning you had Grant Cardone on and you were having a bit of a challenge having, having him on, but you, so your strategy became getting everyone in his circle on, including Elena. Yeah. So then you could come to him and say, Hey, I got every single, per- look at all these people I had on that, you know, let's make it happen. I would go to Instagram and I would, I would go look at their, the list of people that they follow and pull out all of the names on that list that I had interviewed. And at the beginning, that list was pretty small. Sure. But then, you know, when it started growing, it was like, man, I would go to somebody's, you know, list of following people that they're following and list out 17 names. And at that point, you can't say no to right. that. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, there's too much credibility. It's just a punch in the face of credibility, you yeah. know? And that's eventually how I, how I got Grant. The first time I reached out was crickets. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, yeah. And then the next time I reached out was like, hey, I got this person, 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 like almost 12, I think I listed out almost a dozen names. And then the last one I did, it was Elena, was uh, so like, and then also your wife also has already been on the show. So I just want to see when you're going to come on, basically. And I was like, I'll be in Miami next week. We'll, you know, set it up in your studio and make it happen real quick. And then he was like, sure, yeah, email my assistant. Yeah. And and before you mentioned that, I was thinking that too, because sometimes the the head honcho is hard to get on. So you... If you put your face in front of him over and over and over where every other channel he follows is willing to give you the time of day and they keep this guy keeps seeing your face and that beard he goes, who the hell is this dude? Yeah. You know, and then you you come at him. It's 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 kind of like a military strategy. It's like a war strategy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Just make it like the 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 idea is you make it as easy as possible for people to say yes. Right. Like that's your job as a podcast host. If you want to interview like the highest level people is like your job is to make it as easy as possible for them to say yes. Cause they, anybody that's in demand, their time is in demand and any, the worst possible thing you could do to somebody whose time is in demand is waste their time. Right. And if you're reaching out to them and they can't make the decision to come on your show within the three minutes that it took them to read your message, then you just gave them homework 
And it's probably not going to work out if you assign somebody homework like that. You know what I mean? Like their homework just became like, oh, well, how many downloads do they have? How credible are they? Have they been around for a while? Like either like them or their gatekeeper is going to have to go do all that homework or respond back and ask you about it. Like the idea is to give them as much information as you can give them in as little of a space as possible where they're going to be able to make the decision without having to go to Google and ask it a bunch of questions about you. This is super valuable. This is so valuable. So true. And you think about it in real time Because if I were in their position, I'd have the same thought process. Totally. You're just trying to get through DMs, bro. You know what I mean? Or it's it's like, I got 340 emails and I got 20 minutes before my flight leaves. Like, let's go through these. You know, they're also getting paid. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Like that's what they're going through and making, they're making decisions. Like they got to do shit. hundred percent. And you're trying to take an hour of their time right now. I'm getting an hour of your time for free. Right. I'm, I I don't listen. I don't, I wouldn't say anything's free, but I'm not paying you. Right. So, and I haven't paid any of my guests and some guests are more are higher level. Some are lower in terms of their notoriety and their, and their, and their net worth, et cetera. And I understand that some people are getting paid six figures for an hour of their time mm-hmm. and to have mm-hmm. an hour of their time where they didn't know me shit, where you didn't know me, owe me a damn thing. I'm, I'm extremely appreciative. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I'm in that position, not if, but when, and some random person comes on my show, I think that the, the important thing for me will be, is this person serious? Mm-hmm. If he DMs me and he's consistently, or she's consistently DMing me and I go and check out their channel and they have, Six episodes, six isn't, isn't very many, but say they have 15, but they've been missing months on end. They, they're very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I would tell them flat out, if I responded, I'd say, I would come on, but I, if you want me to come on, I need you to be consistent for a year. Totally. I have, friends that, I have friends that do that exclusively. Like uh, they, they, make a, they make a minimum. Basically, I have, I have a buddy that's like, I won't go on anybody's show before episode 50. Mm-hmm. It's like I, if anything past episode fifty, I'll go on anybody's show. Doesn't matter. I'll go on anybody's show. If this, uh, somebody, is this somebody episodes. pretty popular? I don't even remember to be uh, completely to be completely honest with you. I don't remember who it was. I just was like there was somebody I was talking oh, to cool. a few months back, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't go on any shows unless they have over fifty episodes out." I don't blame that person. I don't yeah. blame that person. Yeah, I don't either. But their point is, is like it's not even about how many downloads you have. It's just like you're gonna waste. Like, don't waste my time. Hundred percent. Yeah, I've been on shows where they've never released a single episode. They were in pre-launch, and at the time, I just said like, at some point in my life, I stopped saying yes to everything. But for a while, I was like yes to everything that came across my table. I was just Mm -hmm. flattered that people wanted my time, you know. So I'd say yes to everybody, and learned really quickly why busy people don't say yes to everybody. (laughs) It's because not everybody's worth spending time with, and a lot of people take time for granted, and they waste a lot of it. And and you don't want to be known as that person. And it's funny because a lot of people end up coining you as an asshole for being being the no person. And I don't. I've been able to to be okay with that. Learn. I'm okay with saying no. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to be. Yep. Yeah. It, but it's you know people think you're a dick if you do it, but they don't. They're not. They're not going in the direction you are most of the time. So anyway, Travis, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming, guys. I hope you uh, got a ton of value. If you're currently creating content if you're thinking of creating content make sure to check out guestio and sign up for it make sure to check out travis's content i'm going to post all of your social media Uh, so guys if you have any questions if you have any comments please throw them in please leave your comments again subscribe like and share and i will see you on the next episode thanks bro appreciate you thanks man thanks for having me